You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to a new episode of Delirious Nomads, brought to you by Blacklight Media Records, a weekly podcast hosted by yours truly, celebrity chef Chris Santos, I hate calling myself that, and underground metal connoisseur Matt Bacon, who loves being called that. This is your new favorite podcast for all things heavy metal, as well as breakdowns of your favorite combat sports and riffing on some food talk every week with very special guests from across the globe. Everybody out there, we're back. It's your boys, Matt and Chris, Delirious Nomads. You know the drill. Really excited to be back here today with actually a really great guy from one of my absolute favorite bands. This gentleman in this band has is indirectly responsible for me starting Blacklight Media Records with Metal Blade, and we'll get into that later. But uh, please welcome my friend Bo from The Mighty Harm's Way. Hello. <laughs> What's happening, man? Not much. Good to be here. Just ate off work. Freezing in Chicago. Nice. I'm good. I haven't seen you in a long time, obviously, because of the pandemic. Um, what's happening, man? What have you been up to? It's been a while. I mean, you guys were full steam ahead. You were touring. Everything was great. And then the world all fell apart. But how have you guys... Um, I talked to Brian. He, he, he said, you know, you guys are working. Yeah. Uh, you and I saw each other. It would have been like March, April 2018, which is kind of crazy to think that's almost four years ago. Oh, my God. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, that was the headliner tour. And then, yeah, like you said, we, we were heavy for 2018 and 19, and then everything shut down. And it was kind of, uh, we found ourselves in a, I think, a unique position where we were at the end of a record cycle. We didn't, quote unquote, need to be touring to promote something because we didn't have a record done yet. At, while at the same time, a lot of our peers had just put records out at the beginning of 2020 and 2019. So we kind of took that as like a, like a silver lining to the whole thing. It's like, well, we have all the downtime in the world. We did writing sessions like this over Zoom and where one guy would stream Ableton out of Twitch on a private channel. And we would just like all, it was a nightmare, honestly. We probably went 12 months without actually seeing each other. We finally started getting together in 2021 and have been writing and we've got a bunch of songs and we have and it feels really good we have a a practice on saturday will be our first one in the new year and uh looking forward to it nice you guys all live in chicago two of the guys live in milwaukee it's like an hour and a half oh shit okay the three original guys me chris and james we all live in chicago got it got it got it i mean i know you said it was a nightmare but were you able to get anything written and accomplished like via zoom and virtual and all stuff i really can't express enough how valuable our bass player casey was and is he is like a wizard he he has a background in like hip-hop production and um just using ableton to create soundscapes and work with various artists blah 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 so when someone would send him a riff and maybe even like on a 
audio note, like kind of like drum mouth drum, how they wanted to go. He would just like create it, extrapolate it and just make it. And he was just like absolutely invaluable for that specific situation. And obviously for others, but like we were able to get a lot done and we actually, we have like, I, I don't even know the number, but um, more than a dozen things that need to be trimmed, you know, like fat songs that we need to clean up and kind of probably combine a bit and blah, blah, blah. But it was simultaneously super productive while being like dreadful, you know, <laughs> just like, yeah, you know, you guys have a very distinctive sound that is always evolving. I'm going to put the pen down. So I stopped dropping it. How do you think this kind of situation, the pandemic, this sort of the isolation that you had from each other? I mean, do you think that that's going to manifest itself in, a, in in something unique on the record? Definitely. I know that not to air anyone's business, obviously, but like people have gone through things within the band over the last two years, um, which I think James is our primary uh, lyric writer. Uh, always has been. And I think he's gotten very good at going from just like, I'm angry to like, here's why, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like there's a, a bit of a jump there. And I think he's gotten really good at kind of explaining that. And I think um, the last two years will be super uh, influential on when it comes to actually writing lyrics and figuring out, you know, we like to do samples and stuff and, and have like stuff from movies or shows yeah. or whatever we can like afford or get away with on the record. And it's nice to kind of, when you, when you start to see the direction, the, uh, the tone of a record's going, it's nice to mm -hmm. zero in on all that, you know? With a band like Harm's Way, there's a lot of focus on community and being kind of a part of the larger hardcore scene. How did it feel kind of being separated from that for the last couple of years? It sucked not seeing friends. It sucked like planning on seeing like we were going to see Knock Loose. They had a whole headliner and a new record come out. Code Orange had a new record come out and like day of their week of their record release had to stream it all on Twitch. And it was incredible what they were able to do. But like we were going to see that like there were all these um, opportunities. We had a couple tours that were all lined up, you know, just like extra just like, oh, try this market, try that market. It sucked. You know what it did? It made me a bit more appreciative of what we are a part of. You can see that like people still care. People are still buying merch. Shows are still selling out. The things that are able to happen are like uh, flourishing. Like they're doing great. It's almost like a like a sift, like a strain. It shows like what comes through and that like how like genuine it is. I know that's kind of woo woo, but like I, I feel that way honestly. So it's made me simultaneously a bit more appreciative being a part of like the scene or whatever when is the last time you guys played a show together we did uh four shows on the west coast with stick to your guns and a band called initiate from california we did vegas la san diego so maybe it was only three so that was in november we had to do it as a four piece because our bass player who had again casey the invaluable one had two years to catch covid but he caught it the week of so i had to play bass but then on uh december 19th we did we had a, a record come out 10 years ago it was kind of like the first record most people would know us for and it was a, the 10 year anniversary so we played a hometown show with that in, in chicago at the subterranean uh our friends Vane played it was fantastic it was like a lot of fun and that was the first time because we had done a couple like knock loose sold out two shows they had a band flying in that band canceled so last minute we filled in and, and played but that those are the kind of things where you're just like ah, like you're scrambling there's no like you can't enjoy the moment you can't really talk to your friends because you're trying to figure out gear and merch and blah 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 so but it, it's it's cool that like our last show of this all this stuff probably until the new record's out 
is, you know, our 10 year anniversary. And then the last show at the beginning of the pandemic was on Valentine's Day with Lamb of God at uh, House of Vans here in 2020. And that was like right before it all clamped down. So crazy. I mean, it's just, I can't believe we're still talking about this. When we started this podcast 36, 37 episodes ago, you know, we were talking 41 episodes ago. So yeah, almost a year's worth of podcast. You know, we were talking, we, we've always, every episode we talk about how, can't believe this isn't over yet. You know, it should be over soon. Can't wait to everyone to get back on the road again. I mean, it's just, it's just insane now. It just continues to. It's actually pretty depressing. <laughs> yeah, it, it can be. And there's weird things too that like, I don't think people probably think about or realize it's like, there is a year wait on vinyl pressing right now. If we had our record due today, we would have it January 2023. And that is not going to work with touring. Band can't wait a year, you know what I mean? So what's going to happen, and, and I think, you know, what I think people are going to have to accept is like, you're going to buy a pre-order and you're going to get it when it's ready, when that band's out on tour, and you'll get a digital copy or whatever. There are aspects to this whole thing, pretty much through all the like heavy side of music that I just think like a lot of people are going to have to kind of adapt for. But at the same time, like, man, another example, and I'm, I hope they don't mind me blowing them up, but I'm sure they don't because we're the best of friends. But Knocked Loose sold out the Metro. They announced that a couple of days later, like, okay, you have to have proof mm-hmm. of vaccination and you got to wear a mask. And they got like 19 refunds out of yeah. 1,100. You know what I mean? That's like, sick. Okay. Maybe these people couldn't get back. Who knows? Whatever. You know what I mean? But like, yeah, that's an excellent rate. That's honestly been one of the most depressing things for me has been looking at tour merch, uh, you know, ticket sale counts and going like, oh, God, the vaccinated only venues are doing terribly. (laughs) Fuck. So it's encouraging to hear that. Yeah. And it, you know, I'm sure, Chris, with like the various stuff you do, it's impacting like so many industries in so many different ways and we've all i'm sure we've all talked about it nauseam but it's it is yeah it's 2022 <laughs> like it's crazy yeah no matter how you look at it it doesn't look like it's going to be over anytime soon it might get more manageable but who knows you know i mean it's really hurting my industry in a different way but it's really really hurting the music industry i mean if you can't tour and just all these cancel tours and all this uncertainty is just it's just crazy, you know, and, and with, with, you know, metal music and particularly the, you know, like harm's way style, you know, it's like, there's no such thing as a socially distant mosh pit. Right. Um, and so it's, um, and, you know, a lot of the tours are in, you know, I mean, I saw knock loose in, I want to say October in New York and it was, you know, it was sold out and it was like tight. It was tight in there. You know what I mean? Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I can't wait for this to end and everyone to be able to go on tour. You know, you know what I want to see is there's all these package tours. We just, we just did a podcast last week with this guy, Ira Black, who just joined the Bullet Boys and it was kind of like a hair metal festival they did this past weekend. But I want to see a festival that's like Harm's Way, Code Orange, Knock Loose, uh, Alpha Wolf, Cursed Earth, Great American Mm. Ghost, Capra, like that genre of of metal there is uh, a fest called this is hardcore yeah. in philadelphia that would probably be your closest yeah, yeah. to it uh joe does a really good job of bringing in bands from various genres and stuff and there used to be you know uh new england right, yeah. metal fest that was the especially the early days man that that thing was awesome but you're right i mean you know it's weird it's a, it's also something that people aren't talking about is like okay if it's two years where bands aren't really playing and people can't really get exposed to shows and do that thing where they like, oh, I'm going to go with my friend to this thing and check it out. And then suddenly they're hooked on metal or whatever. That's two years of kids in high school not hearing like guitar music, right? And further removing like, yes, I'm playing this guitar on stage and it's aggressive and it's not like 
logic playing my songs for me or whatever, you know, no judgment, but it's, it's harmful to the genre because part of the appeal, as you said, is like the energy, the vibe crashing into people and like learning that it's okay. You know, positive aggression. It's, it's, it, there's so many aspects to this whole thing that, um, I, I firmly believe will bounce back. I think it's just a matter of time, but the weight and the, um, you know, being unsure of it is terrible. I will say the few shows I've, I've gone to, and I haven't gone to many, the energy has been next level because people have been so pent up. Um, and it really does add another layer to the show. That Knock Loose show, going back to that one, like, I mean, it was insanity. And it would have been, it would have been insane in any pre-pandemic just because of who they are and how they play. But I've just that added layer of people, you know, probably out of, you know, maybe there was seven, 800 people there, probably half of them. It was their first show they'd seen in two years and you could feel right. it. You could absolutely feel it. I mean, and they were, everyone was there early. Everyone was there <laughs> for the opening band and yeah. everyone was down for all of it. You know, they're the best man. I could not put over a band more than knock loose, knock loose and turnstile are two bands really killing it in our end of the world. And I couldn't be happier for the both of them. You know, Let's go back. You said something a minute ago about, you know, it's two years that, uh, you know, high school kids aren't hearing guitar music. So we kind of asked this question of, of every musician that we have on but like why metal why guitar how did it start why did why my mom is the biggest who fan that exists she is on a first name basis with pete townsend that's awesome from meeting him so many times she's just a huge <laughs> who fan so yeah it, i mean it is you know it's one of those things where you're growing up and you're like oh my god my mom <laughs> and then you know you get to a certain age where you're like wait a minute mom is pretty fucking cool you know and that's how it feels that's how that's how it started i think was just like oh pete townsend's like a, a top four. He's on the Mount Rushmore of guitar guys for me. And then my dad, my parents split up when I was a baby, but my, my dad was on the other side and he was a Led Zeppelin guy. And Jimmy Page is like this other wizard who I just like could not get enough of. And so that was really it. I was, I was 10. My dad gave me a Strat and I learned how to play power chords. And it was just like, I wasn't very good, you know, and I'm still, I'm not, I can't really improv. I'm, I'm just not that kind of player. And, you know, I think that's part of growing up too is realizing your limitations or whatever. But a big thing was getting into punk rock. There's, you know, when it comes to hardcore, you're either you're into it from metal or into it from punk rock. Generally, I was into skateboarding and like early, you know, Blink-182 and that kind of bubblegum stuff really early on. And then I met Chris, our drummer, when we were in middle school. And he had an older brother who was already into the Misfits and Bad Brains and AFI and Agnostic Front and just like older, you know, kind of legit bands. And it really just grew from there. And then at a certain point, probably the biggest two catalysts for me were the Chromax from New York and Marauder from New York. Those two bands kind of blended. One was more crossover, one was just straight up metal. And it, they kind of blended that, they crossed that bridge for me where I was like, but I want to be punk, uh, but this is so heavy. And, you know, I, I needed, and I was like, oh wait, When the Levees Break is like one of the heaviest songs ever recorded. This is in the pocket like that i can get into metal i can get into that and then additionally probably one of the biggest layers especially when i was a kid was the whole straight edge thing getting into straight edge and learning that there was like a, a whole subculture of a subculture based around kind of not potentially ending up like my parents which is definitely a goal of mine and i think they would say that was a goal of theirs too identifying with that kind of growing within that and and being comfortable with that was like huge it was going to local shows and all your friends are all jumping around and you're all like not worrying about sneaking beer into the venue. Cause you just want to go skateboard. Like that's, that's rad. That's rad. And you grew up in Chicago. This all happened in Chicago. Yes, sir. Uh, Chris and I grew up like 30 minutes outside of the city in the suburbs, but I moved into the city 15, 16 years ago. 
It's so rad when you get to start a band with someone who you knew from that age. Yeah, we went to the same grade school. Chris and I grew up on the opposite sides of a pond behind our houses. It was before I could drive, so I was 15 at the latest. I, we met James, who went on to be our singer. Wow. These are just guys who are just like, without a doubt, my best friends. And, you know, I don't have any brothers, so I consider them my family in that way. And I think that that certainly helps. I mean, we've been a band since 2006. And Chris and I had a band starting in 2000. 22 years ago. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was terrible. Someone recently said to me that it's very disturbing to think about the fact that the year 2000 was 22 years ago. I can't believe it's that. It's crazy. I refuse to. Don't get old. Anyone out there listening, my advice to you is don't get old. Time just goes by faster and faster and faster. You mentioned Chromex. When they when they recorded Age of Quarrel, they actually recorded it in Rhode Island, where I'm from. And my brother had a, a guitar shop and vinyl store um, right next door to uh, Normandy Sound, where they recorded the record. And they would come in every day and buy new strings or new drumsticks or whatever. And I would, I would, sometimes I'd run there after school to just hang out just to see if they would come in. You know what I mean? Oh, that's awesome. What a cool story. What were some other bands that you, that kind of were formative to you um, or, or, or today bands that you like? Yeah, that's probably in the early 2000s, uh, Bridge Nine Records had just like an unbelievable lineup. So Terror, who are probably the most important hardcore band of the last, you know, two decades, which is saying something. Um, Terror, Ringworm, Integrity. Integrity was big because they also were like a bridge. Um, American Nightmare at the time. No Warning was huge. Huge. I learned how to play guitar to a bunch of No Warning songs and a couple Terror records. I learned how to do like gallops, like triplets on the guitar to a song called Spit My Rage by Terror. And that was like, you know, I think I was 17, 16 at the time. And so like literally both formative in a, a sense of like how to play, how to write, how to present oneself, if that can be said. But then also like when we got to, we've toured with Terror quite a few times, learning how to conduct yourselves on the road and how to be like, yes, we just played, you know, Hellfest to 10,000 people or whatever, but like, we're still a hardcore band. We're not going to like cool guy, some smaller band who's opening for us somewhere. It's like, it's all about, you know, like level-headed like just this is this is just music we're not fucking you know, we're not ace freely you know what i mean like we're not rock stars you know and um terror were just like a perfect example of exactly that it's funny you use hellfest as an exact example because and talked about going on and playing um small shows or dealing with smaller bands after because i had that like exact same conversation with fuck a different uh hardcore band from brooklyn whose name escapes me now who had also played Hellfest and then like played a floor show the next day. And I think you're hundred percent right. That having that humility is like such a unique part of hardcore too, that like you do get those opportunities, but you do like, you can be a pretty high level band who plays on floors, which is like amazing to me. Absolutely. And I think it's huge. I think it's like, it doesn't matter what you sound like, you know, it's, it's like where you came from and staying true to that as best you can. Yeah. What, what do you most miss about touring or what's your favorite part of touring? And then what do you miss least and what's your least favorite part? Oh, I obviously, I love like we're getting into Europe at, you know, we're flying into Heathrow at 8 AM and then we're going to get picked up and then we go to the bus. That's like, yeah, it's the best, you know, we're playing big fests and, and like when, you know, it's, it's hokey to talk about like money or like your job or whatever when it comes to something that's like, like this for me at least. But like when you realize, oh, I'm, I'm making a living, like touring the world with my best friends. That's, I, I really couldn't pick a better thing for me personally. 
So I miss that. I miss band meals. I miss being up late, being goofy. <laughs> now, least favorite over the pandemic, I have gotten, I live alone in my apartment. I've gotten very clean. I've gotten really into cooking. Those are two things that the road right. does not abide. <laughs> like you are, you know, you're hooked to these four other people's wagon and some of us are dirtier than others. And, uh, you know, thank Thankfully, food in, in the States when you're touring couldn't be easier. It's great. But when you go overseas, it's, it's tricky. When you're in, in Germany and the UK and your driver who you know, only gets paid to go from A to B, he's not driving into a town to get you a good meal. You're eating Burger King, yep. baby. Yep. You know? yep. I don't miss that. I really don't. Do you have any, any um, vegans or whatnot in the band? Or in the we have, uh, yeah, we have a, one vegan, one vegetarian. I've been off and on, like when you and I first met, I was like eight months into keto. So I was doing like the whole low carb thing, which I again started up now because baby got a little heavy. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and then we have James who just needs copious amounts of food all the time because he's a garbage disposal. All of that can be done at Chipotle. And like to this day, dude, like a $10 burrito. Yeah. That's pretty good. And everyone can eat all vegetarians. Everybody, everybody's fine. <laughs> I've become, you know, a lot of touring bands come to my restaurants, but I've become really a, a lifeline to some all vegan bands. There's a band called Avatar who are all vegan. And uh, and basically anytime they play, you know, wherever I am, I end up because it's not just them. It's their whole the whole crew, the whole the whole traveling show, it's like 13 people. They're all vegan. They can find food, but it's hard for them to find like a good meal. So whenever they're in town, I always do a whole catering drop on them and just kill them with vegan food. And Oh, that's so nice. Yeah, we always give we give Nick shit all the time because, you know, when the chips are down and there's nothing nothing out there, he gets he'll he'll go with like a bag of chips and uh, a vegetable sandwich from Subway at a loves, <laughs> which is like I personally would rather starve. But he's a trooper. He gets that water vegetable in him. <laughs> I've eaten a lot of loves vegetable sandwiches. It sucks. Um, so I wanted to get into the big harm's way thing. That happened over the last year. You and I talked about this before. And what's here's what's interesting about it is I was in Hamburg uh, in December talking to this tech guy I know about like NFTs because the future is horrible. He randomly started talking to me about the running harm's way thing and like being a fan of Hate Five Six, which is like weird because Bo, I think you and I have probably you probably been watching Hate Five Six longer than I have, but I've known about it since like 2012. Yeah. So yeah. to have like a tech guy be like, I watch 856 is like, what the fuck? So <laughs> yeah. what has it been like to become 2021's biggest hardcore meme? <laughs> you know, it was one of those things where it was just like, what's funny is that was from This Is Hardcore, that fest I was talking about, 2019. And then it was like six or eight months late. It was like August and then like May or something. Like it was like well into 2020. And all of a sudden this started popping off and this one dude made an account on Facebook and Instagram and just like kept doing them. And some of them were incredible. I, on our band account, retweeted a uh, Shania Twain one that she liked. <laughs> Shania, really? shout out. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure it wasn't actually her, but you know, whoever manages that account. Diamond Dallas Page as well. And he hooked us up with some uh, DDP yoga, you know? So it's, yeah, we're all it's, all, it's all good. But yeah, it was an interesting thing where like my partner's, cousins who live in Southern Indiana, who are, you know, just Christian to the core, super kind, middle of the country people would be like, Hey, have you seen this? Like to me of this thing where I'm getting, I, I mean, there was a point in time where we were getting hundreds of them a day and it's just, 
it, it was funny, and I, we like to kind of play it off as like, oh, you bastards. But in the end, like, it's great publicity, and it actually panned out to benefit us and all that good stuff. And a guy did try to make an NFT of it, and Sonny from Hate Five Six stopped him because it, it was a third party who wasn't us or him. So get out of here. Right. <laughs> Shout out Sonny being the most amazing person in hardcore. <laughs> you have any touring plans for this, like before a record comes out, or are you going to just sit it out until you're all recorded up? So because of how the last two years have had to be where we had to stay home, everyone kind of found jobs and it, it wouldn't really make sense to like leave any of them just to then record where you're just sitting around and not really making money. So mm-hmm. we, we most, we might do something here or there weekends, something small like we did with, um, stick to your guns in November. But um, no, I, I, I don't suspect we'll be like on the road, on the road until that record is out, which is kind of a crazy thing to say. But I guess the silver lining of the whole, you know, pressing plants are like a year behind thing is if that is the reality, if we, let's say, finish the record, it's done, mastered on iTunes by, let's just say, September 1st. If everybody's going to be waiting for the record anyway, we can tour. Right, sure. We could just go. You know, we don't have to wait to physically receive them because that's just, mm-hmm. that might be the reality. So I, I suspect we'll hopefully be touring this year and hopefully be hitting fests and stuff uh, next year, um, which is, again, crazy to talk about. But yeah. <laughs> I can't believe that there it's a year. I mean, I, I know because, you know, our little la- uh, metal label of love has the same, having the same issues with vinyl. And um, it's just amazing that it's just that far behind. I mean the way the supply chain across all industries has been just decimated is just wild, 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 wild. And, you know, then you have Adele putting out a single with 12 variants Mm. (laughs) and, you know, just like people who are, it's like, okay, well, vinyl sales 20 years ago, weren't that good. And then certain bands, maybe my most favorite band of all time, Metallica started like, Hey, buy this t-shirt. You get a record that counts as a record sale and things are going. And all of a sudden this media is becoming more favorable and like collectible and stuff which like in hardcore and punk rock it's all and metal it's always been that way vinyl has never but now that like urban outfitters has like a little vinyl section or whatever it's just kind of like okay well yeah of course the lana del rey record is going to get priority from this plant over our record right it's weird because a lot of the people who are like in power at major labels now are like people who were in the hardcore scene in the 80s so that's how they know about like oh, you just make another variant. Fuck it. That's another $5,000. Done. Yeah. And they're just like taking that passion to the whole world. And now we're here. Yeah, it's it's really strange. I'm very surprised some conglomerate, some group of labels, managements, whatever, have not bought a pressing plant. Mm. It's interesting. Yeah. It's, it's it's happening, I think. That's great. And and as it as it probably should have always been. Just for our listeners, um, there's a few really interesting layers to that. Namely that like, because I've had a few really long conversations with like big investors about this. And the real thing that nobody wants to ever talk about is that color vinyl is like a, a environmental disaster. Like there's a reason it's all printed in the Czech Republic. In Czech Republic, yeah. Like if you want enough color vinyl, like vinyl printing machines to like make a real amount of money, you have to be in basically a toxic waste zone. Interesting. That's that's a big piece that nobody wants yeah, to yeah, like. Yeah, yeah, interesting. You know, we're all we're all green oh. until it's something we like. Never thought of it. Right. Interesting. Never thought of that. Oh well. All the, Very interesting. I look at all the vinyl that I got on my walls here, making me feel bad. All my color, all my colored <laughs> yeah. vinyl, all over the. Place. The world's gonna end in like twenty forty. <laughs> like fuck it. Here for a good time, not a long time. I can't with like 
new technology, NFTs, like crypto, like it's all be, I'm in my fifties now. So it's like all starting to get beyond me. And I told somebody the other day, thank God I'm going to die in like 30 years because I don't want, <laughs> I don't want to be lost. I don't want to continue to live half lost all the time. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And in God. and in this frame of mind, you found peace. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Oh, I didn't tell that story that I led with, which was... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, That's a good one. You know, Blacklight Media Records, which is the label that I co-founded with Brian Slagle and which Matt kind of runs now day to day, um, you know, came to be because a lot of people don't know this probably, but, you know, Brian and I, I knew who Brian Slagle was when I was a kid, like 16, and um, I would take the bus to Providence every every Saturday to buy the new to, to buy the new vinyl. And um, so I knew Metal Blade and I knew Brian. And, uh, you know, obviously his his story is pretty larger than life with the whole Metallica and Slayer stuff. But um, I met him maybe it's probably 12 years ago now. Carrie, uh, no, uh, Johan from Amarna Marth had in- introduced us and mm-hmm. Carrie King had spoken to him about me before or something like that. And we met at the Slayer show and um, we became really fast friends and, you know, we'd start hanging out and he's a big wine guy and he would, in, New- in my apartment in New York, you know, he would, we'd have dinner or something and then, you know, we'd go hang out at my apartment and drink wine and listen to music. And I started playing bands for him that, and he, you know, I just started turning him onto bands that he hadn't heard of, um, Harmless Way being one of them. And he started signing some of those bands. You know, I heard, um, I got him turned on to you guys, to this band, If These Trees Could Talk, uh, this band Mother Feather. And then finally, like after four or five bands, he just said, This is ridiculous. We need to do a label. So without me kind of, you know, playing Harmless Way for him at two o'clock in the morning <laughs> one night and him being like, What the hell is this? This is so awesome. I might not have a label. So, so thank you and, and thank, thanks to the rest of the band. What's <laughs> funny is, I think, how did we, I, I think. Slay when we first met Slagle, he told us that. Right. I think so, yeah. Because we met we met him before we met you. Then when we met, that was one of the first things I asked you. And getting that like, yep, that's how it happened was just like <laughs> mind blowing. Because like I, you know, like I said, I've gotten into cooking. I'm I, I like cooking at home a lot. I've been a fan of yours and chopped for like a while. Thank you, thank you, you know, so it was like a very like my girlfriend and I like couldn't believe, you know, it was like, wait, who? <laughs> <laughs> like, you know. Yeah, it was uh, Pomona, the glass house. We met Slagle, and that's that was the story. It's amazing. Well, you know what? So we're going to do – I'm going to do some rapid fire, only four or five questions, and we'll keep them all – let's keep them all related to food. Okay. Um, awesome. What's your what, – what's your, what is your favorite thing to cook? Um, recently, and, and this is great, I, uh, I – so I'm doing the low-carb thing. I found this company called Pork, P-O-R-Q, and they make pork rind breadcrumbs. Ooh. So no carbs. So I – Made boneless buffalo chicken wings with almond flour, fried them up, and they're they're legitimately fantastic. So right now I'm obsessed. If it wasn't like a keto thing, make a make a mean shepherd's pie. <laughs> really like a shepherd's pie. Nice. Um, what is, so then? What it would be your cheat meal? Is that it? Is it shepherd's pie or what? what what's or what's a guilty pleasure? Oh, dude, I I wouldn't make it. I would order it. I don't. Do you know what Portillo's is, Chris? Yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh. <laughs> that's, I, you know, that for, for a Chicagoan, that's everything. So that would be my cheat meal. I guess if I had to make a cheat meal, you know what it would be? Um, Nick, our guitar player is actually a, an outstanding cook. He's, he worked at a food uh, co-op for a long time. He's amazing. Especially if you get a beer or two in him. Yep. Like stellar food. <laughs> and he gave me a really good recipe for Korean bulgogi, which is like steak. Oh, nice. And, you know, yep. simple over white rice with, you know, green onions. Forget it. Forget it. Nice. I mean, coming from Chicago, are you a, are you a hot dog guy or a burger guy? I am actually a burger guy, but I do. I'll have a dog. It 
just like it depends on where I'm at. I like ballparks. I like them thick right, okay. and thin. But I'll also go for a brat every time. Got it. And then what's your a brat with kraut? What are you topping your burger? What's your burger toppings? Okay, I'm a plain Jane. I like ketchup and cheese. Maybe some onions. Probably onions. Yeah. Okay. But I'm a plain Jane when it comes to stuff like that. I'm not very exciting when it comes to. Um, toppings on myself i don't like messy food when i'm eating oh come on man messy food is the best food <laughs> you want to know something interesting my entire my entire life i hated spicy food i had zero tolerance for it I'd, I'd be sweating bullets and like dying you know what i mean and uh covid happened i believe i got covid end of 2019 early 2020 some time goes on suddenly i can't have enough sriracha and cholula and stuff on my huh, food interesting so I've turned into a saucy guy, at least like on top of my food. Got it. All right. Um, speaking of burgers and hot dogs, are they is, are they a sandwich? A burger is a burger because of the patty. Mm-hmm. A hot dog is not a sandwich because the bread is connected. <laughs> That's, you know, those are really solid arguments. <laughs> well, but, okay. So what about, okay. But okay. So what about, okay. You're in, you're, you know, you've toured Europe a lot. You've eaten a lot of like things there. Yeah. Okay. So very common thing is like you get a baguette sliced in half, but not, you know, taken apart, right? Like you cut it open, you put stuff inside, then you seal it back up. Is that a sandwich? Brother. They don't got a five-digit area code. I don't want to know it. I don't know. All bets are off over there. Who the hell knows what they're doing? Do you know how long it took us to figure out that a margarita pizza is what we wanted? Because when you order a cheese pizza in France, it's like gorgonzola and like smelly cheese on a pizza. Right. It's great. Because forever. I, I had that like literally <laughs> it's two hours ago. <laughs> you got donor kebabs over there. That's it's glorious. Where are you right now, Matt? I'm in Berlin. You look like you're in prison. No, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm actually in this like ridiculously nice Airbnb I got for $60 a night. There's three beds. It's incredible. Um, I thought you were in New York. Sorry. So it must be pretty late there, right? It's okay. I, I, I'm only here for a few days, so I never switched to... Yeah, you've been kind of operating on a little bit of a delay here today, and I thought it was just you were hungover or something, but you don't drink, <laughs> so that wouldn't that wouldn't really make sense. All right, I think that's it. You got anything, anything else for Bo, for a good friend Bo here? No, just, you know, thank you for everything you've done for Hardcore. You know, I think you've really... Harm's Way is exciting to me because I feel like you've really done a good job as a relatively young band to, you know, elevate the scene around you and make people kind of understand like, oh, there can be a new generation of this. We don't just need to go out and watch Vinny Stigma get rolled out, even if that's cool. You know, it's cool to see people like intentionally keeping things going. And, you know, and that's really important to me personally. So thank you for that. I think it's really cool to watch. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for saying that. A young band on, that's been together for 16 years. <laughs> yeah, it's, <laughs> it's a nightmare. You're right, though. You, you are looked at as a, as a young band. It's really, really interesting. Well, but like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's, you know, point being. No, I, I know. It, yeah, we know what you're saying. We did a Cannibal Corpse tour in 2018. As far as the majority of those people know, uh, we're brand new. Right. Yeah. Of course. Of course. Makes perfect sense. I feel like with bands, there's like when you form them, there's when you break. And I think that's important. All this to say, we're looking forward to more. Yes. Yeah, thank you. Definitely looking forward to more. Thanks for um, hanging out with us. Where, where can they find you? Where can they find the band? All these people that are listening. Google Running Man Harm's Way. You'll find it. Um, now, you can... <laughs> uh, uh, my personal stuff is B-O-S-X-E on everything, on whatever social media you, you choose, and it, everything else for Harm's Way is Harm's Way 13 for everything, all one word. And uh, we're out there. We're, we're semi-active. We post stuff. We have merch out there and, you know. You can check that out. And also, obviously, the best place to know what we're up to when we're recording, when we're hitting the road. Yeah. All right. 
Well, thanks much. Hope to see you soon. I can't believe it's been four years. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but we will see you soon, man. All right. So that was awesome. Thank you, everyone out there, for listening to Delirious Nomads, sponsored by Blacklight Media. We will be coming back at you next week with another awesome guest. Be sure to follow Blacklight Media on socials for new music and more. And above all, keep it heavy. Hello, Tom May here, host of Future Friday. I've spent the last 15 years on the road with my band, The Menzingers, where I've met all kinds of wild and fascinating people. So I started a podcast. On Future Friday, I talked to fellow musicians about the moments that made them, their passions outside of music, and the curiosities that tie us all together. I've also talked to the likes of UFO researchers, magicians, soldiers, and documentary filmmakers, and I'm constantly searching for folks that can shape and change our view of the world. You can check out Future Friday wherever you like. Welcome to us talking about our podcast for a minute. What's the name of that podcast? That's Axe to Grind, uh, and right now you're going to be getting a little little taste of it, right down to the shaky microphone and all. <laughs> and my name's Bob. And my name's Patrick, and usually we're joined by Tom. Tom's the best. Tom has a real grown-up job that requires him to be at work, but we talk about decidedly not-so-grown-up things like... Hardcore music and things that people that like hardcore music tend to like. So that could be the latest shows, uh, revisiting classic material, talking about the new classics, um, all the little dorm room nonsense that you imagine from a niche music podcast that, that you either love, want to love, or hate. Yeah, imagine all the emotions that you have towards a genre that, that uh, has impacted your life. Uh, and then condense them down to an hour to two hours a week. So triangulate your speakers. Think about jumping off the bed, singing along, dancing like an idiot, and listen to Axe Grind Podcast. <laughs>